Hi, this is Rick Thompson, the pastor at Living Water Community Church. This is our podcast, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message builds your faith and blesses you. Please enjoy it. Morning. Amen. Amen. Can we get an amen to that one? Uh, now, if you looked at that video this morning, I want to welcome those who are joining us online. My name is Rick Thompson. Um, but if you looked at that video this morning and you found yourself getting agitated, especially with the first part of that video, let me just tell you, you are probably in the right place at the right time. Do not turn, turn off, or pay attention to what's going to happen this morning because this country and even in the church, even in the church, the pulpits are filled with angry people. Come on. Am, am I lying? It, it is literally filled with angry people. People... People who are going to get angrier still when the thing that they hope for doesn't happen. Do you hear what I'm saying? When the thing that they hope for and people have been telling them is going to happen doesn't happen. So the people are going to be out there kind of losing their minds over the next few days and weeks and you know, for a while there. So we're in the right place at the right time. I don't care what side of the aisle you're on, whether you consider yourself the, you know, following the red preacher or the blue preacher. The church should not be divided. Amen. Amen? And this thing has divided. The enemy has used this thing brilliantly to bring division in the church. And a house divided is going to have a real hard time standing. So let this message today be preemptive, a preemptive reminder today over the next coming weeks that the, the wisdom of God's word, what the wisdom of God's word teaches regarding anger. We're in a series that we've entitled, Let Wisdom Reign. And it's based on the book of Proverbs, which we already established was written mostly by King Solomon, who had a lot to say about a lot of things. And he was widely considered probably the wisest person who ever lived at his time because he asked God for wisdom. Now, he had his issues later on in his life, but that doesn't take away from the truths that God downloaded through him so that we might benefit. Amen? So especially on this subject... Of anger. I was at the bank just the other day. We support emissions in India, and I was going to make a, a, a donation to them, but their computer was down. And when I came out, I, I suppose because the computer was down, the guy who went in before me, or the system was down, got really upset. And he was on his phone, and he was putting someone on blast, and he didn't care who was listening. I mean, he was just livid because of what was not going right in his life. Well, our theme verse comes out of Proverbs 120, which depicts wisdom and has wisdom crying out in the street corners, looking, looking, even pleading for people to listen and to heed our instructions for living and, and, and for, for success in this life. And so we've been asking the question, if wisdom is crying out, what is she saying? What is she saying on the different topics? Well, I, I dealt with the fear of the Lord. The, the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We have to start with God, amen? If you're going to be wise, you cannot ignore him. You can't look every place else for wisdom. You've got to start with God and his word. Pastor Sean nailed it down last week where he brought a a, a passage and he talks about wisdom telling us that we have to have self-discipline. Amen? We have to have self-discipline. Coming out of the same text. Well, today, this morning, you're not here by accident. You're not tuning in by accident. This message has been fought. I've been under some battles. And so God wants this message 
preached and heard. So let's set aside all the other distractions. This message is on anger. Proverbs 29:11 says, "Fools, fools give full vent to their rage, but the wise bring calm in the end." Turn to somebody, look them in the eye, say, "Don't be a fool." Wherever you're watching, turn to somebody, say, "Don't be a fool." The New Living says it this way, fools vent their anger, but the wise quietly hold it back. Now, we know that anger can take on a lot of forms. We all recognize the road rage anger that's out there. It's hard to miss with, with, with the, the cursing and all these other things. And a lot of times, they'll throw up, you know, signs. If you couldn't figure out what they were saying, they'll throw up signs. You know what I'm talking about. So that's easy to, 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 to spot. But there are some people who, you know, feel depression, that, that depression is anger turned inward. And that's a little bit more difficult to spot, which can also lead to health, health issues. And so before I jump into the message, let me give you at least five angry behavior uh, uh, outbursts that plague a lot of us and see if you identify with any of these. Five types of anger. Number one is the raging anger, the raging anger. And these are the ones with tempers that kind of just flip out on you. Again, not hard to figure out who they are. They become infuriated. Their nostrils start to flare. Uncontrollable, spitting threats like fire. Statistically, it affects more males than females. Not surprising, right? But it affects females too. Come on, somebody. And it's not because of your ethnicity. Oh, you don't understand. I'm Latino. I'm Puerto Rican, I'm Irish. No, it has nothing to do with that. They say a male with this type of anger issue can fly off the handle six times a week. Six times a week. And a female, up to three times. And often misplaced anger gets yelled, you know, it's a misplaced anger. So, and so if they get yelled at at work or, or, or some kind of perceived injustice, they come home and they yell at their wife or their husband. And the wife misplaces it and yells at the kids. And the kids misplace it and they kick the dog. What did the dog do? But they're learning from what they're seeing. If you have people in your life who are constantly, how do you know you have this issue? If you have people in your life who are constantly asking you, why are you mad at me? Hello? This might be what's going on in your life. Number two is the silent anger. Someone say silent anger. This type of anger kind of just bottles everything up, either through repression or suppression. They're angry and they're spitting mad, all right, but they're, they're, they're doing what? They're just kind of holding it in. They're through gritted teeth because rather than dealing with the things appropriately, they pretend it's not there and it doesn't hurt them. And so the silent anger, like I said, can, can be very dangerous because these guys tend to end up with the, with the migraines and the stomach ulcers. And sometimes they deal with the misplaced anger issues as well. If you ever find yourself getting really annoyed at seemingly trivial things and you don't know why, you may have a suppressed anger issue. And the silent anger may be what's eating at you. The third type of anger is passive-aggressive. Passive-aggressive. Much like the silent anger, they, they like to hide their rage, but it's for different reasons. It's for stealthy reasons. What, what they really want is revenge. They like to teach lessons. So, so, so in their world, they, you might end up in a bubble. In their world, you do something to them. They might put you in the cone of silence. Anyone ever see up? 
Anyone see that with the dog? Somebody knows what I'm talking about. You just end up in a cone of silence and not even know what's going on. Or you might have to deal with a barrage of guilt trips and snarky side comments. And if you ask what's wrong, more often than, than not, you, you'll find yourself just going around the mulberry bush. They'll say, oh, nothing. Nothing's wrong. Or if you'd paid attention half the time, you'd know what's wrong. Come on, somebody. Anybody know anyone like that? Anyone, anyone or someone like that? <laughs> I'm going to say, don't raise your hand. The third, what are we on? Number four, we're on the fourth anger. The fourth anger is the pouting anger. The pouting anger is indeed the, the life of the party. We know what kind of party it is, right? The pity party. <laughs> They're constantly whining and complaining. <sighs> sighing loudly so people could hear them. They want people to know that they're annoyed. And they've got to be in the middle of the tension because they're angry and they're they're pouting and they want people to know. Again, don't raise your hands. And the last type of anger is that sarcastic type of anger. Much like the the passive-aggressive, they may appear calm on the outside, but it's the calm before the storm. They use cutting, demeaning comments and are good at making you feel worthless. Like I said, you may may have one of these type of angers going on in your life or more of these character traits, but if if you keep letting these things, and let's just call them, I'm going to call them angry episodes or angry demons. If you keep letting these things take over your life, pretty soon you're, you're going to push everyone away from you, especially the ones who are closest to you, because no one wants to be constantly be getting burned by an angry person. Hello? No one wants that. And let me just go ahead and say this. Everyone gets angry from time to time. The Bible says be angry. And sin not. It's part of our emotional makeup. I don't care if no one ever notices that you're angry. You get angry. Everyone gets angry. But the problem occurs when we allow that anger to take over our lives, which determines whether it's going to lead to something more destructive, like sinful behavior in our lives. And what's the motivation for your anger? Jesus had a, a righteous anger. We know in Matthew chapter 21, he spoke of it. He got angry over the injustice of what was going on in the temple, and the people around him knew it. Talked about, you know, his father's house shall not be turned into a den of thieves. And so it's, so it's possible to be angry and sin not and to, and to deal with our anger in an appropriate way. We know that's possible. But if we don't learn to kind of tame our demons or our anger, if you will, it can lead to more destructive patterns in our lives. Now, let me just, let me say it another way. Because I know it leads to stressful times. But if you're raging... If you're a sarcastic person, if you're a passive-aggressive and one who constantly internalizes, pouting, doing all other stuff, it can and often does lead to other sins that can affect us spiritually and physically. Now, physically, we discussed the migraines, the, the ulcers, the high blood pressure, the cardiac issues. But I want you to listen to the spiritual ramifications that Jesus warns of when we give anger control of our lives. Listen. 
Matthew 5.21, Jesus speaking, red letter edition. He said, you have heard that the law of Moses says do not murder. But if you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. But I say, if you are angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you are in danger of being brought before the high council. And if you curse someone, you are in danger of the fires of hell. What? How many people did you call an idiot this week? Or at least thought it. Now, why does Jesus say this? Because it's the same spirit of anger that can lead to murder and the shedding of innocent blood on the streets. And maybe just a, low, a little lower down on that slippery slope is, is it can lead to abuse. It can lead to addiction. It can lead to revenge. You see, there's a reason why the root word of danger is anger. And Jesus used that word danger twice in that passage. Because your anger left unchecked can lead to dangerous and destructive patterns in our lives. Ecclesiastes 7.9, do not be quickly provoked in your spirit, for anger resides in the lapse of where? The home of anger resides, lives, hangs out in the lapse of fools. Fools. The message says it this way, don't be quick to fly off the handle. Anger boomerangs. You can spot a fool by the lumps on his head. <laughs> and they're walking around with lumps on their head, spiritually speaking, because they're constantly stepping into stupid, 100% avoidable situations if they would learn just to put some controls. And so for the next few minutes, we're going to go over four steps to dealing with our anger. Four steps that I believe we all need to do, especially over the next few weeks, because I'm telling you, there's a lot of angry people out there in and outside the church. And God is not pleased with how we're treating each other because we think we're justified in our anger. He's just not. He said, they shall know we are Christians by our love for one another. And if we ever lose sight of that, the church will be ripped in half and become ineffective in what God is trying to do for such a time as now. Can, is anybody listening to me this morning? Is anyone hearing what the Spirit of the Lord is having to say? And so if we're going to get a handle on this thing called anger, we have to, the first thing we need to do is we need to identify what our triggers are. Identify what triggers your anger. Now, triggers a stimulus that sets off an action, a process, or a series of events. In the case of a gun, it's that small metal piece at the end. It's just a little metal piece, but when you hit that trigger, it slams into a, a mechanism that sets off a bullet that could kill. Your trigger could be a person, a situation, a set of events or experiences, Things that you expected to happen that didn't happen. You've got to identify what it is. For instance, mine, I, I've shared this before, my, my, mine is feeling like I'm getting ripped off. It it's always has been. I've prayed about it. But if my car breaks down and I have an idea or something breaks down and I have to call a repair person or whatever and I have an idea of how much it should be, 
and they come back with three or four times more than what I know what it should be, or if I bought it in and they gave me one price and, <laughs> and they come back with three or four times, oh, we found this or we found that or we found this, I promise you I can feel my pressure start to go up. I start to feel that I'm getting triggered because I don't have a money tree in my backyard. Never have. Come on, somebody. And I don't want to be making donations to someone who in my spirit I feel like is ripping me off. And so that will sometimes will trigger me. And if I'm not careful, because my kids were there growing up, every now and then they catch me on the phone, and all of a sudden, <laughs> it didn't happen often, but it did happen. I apologize and repent. I because it, but, you know, they catch me on the phone, and then someone gets me in that mindset, and I, I, I might just say something that I have to repent of, and I've had to. And I had to try to identify what my triggers are. Now, just a hint, I'm trying to identify yours. Most of our anger is rooted in self or our self-interest. It really is. I mean, ask yourself, are you more likely to get angry over waiting too long in line in the drive-thru at McDonald's or Chick-fil-A? <laughs> First world problems, right? Or finding out that the Florida Council on Homeless reported 45,364 Floridians were living on the streets or in an emergency shelter during a single day count. What makes you more angry? The fact you can't get your Big Mac on time? Or the fact that there's a whole bunch of homeless people, women and children, right now? Like I said, some anger is good, but most of the time it's about what's not happening for me. It's rooted in self. Tell the truth. So we got to figure out what our triggers are, what is making me angry, and whatever it is, that's what we need to bring before the Lord and ask him to help us with. Amen? Because he doesn't expect us to make excuses for it or to rationalize it or to justify it. You are hurting the people around you when you give full vent to your anger. And that boomerang is going around. Yes, it's hitting a few people, but it's coming back and it's going to slap you upside your head over and over again. Proverbs 19.11, people with good sense restrain their anger. They earn esteem by doing what? They earn esteem by doing what? By overlooking wrongs. Which means that we don't have to react to every perceived insult or injustice. We don't. That's what Pastor Sean talked about last week in last week's message. If you didn't get last week's message, go back and listen to it. It was a great message on self-discipline. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. One translation says self-control, self-discipline. You don't have to react to every perceived injustice. In fact, God expects us not to. Amen? The message says it this way. Smart people know how to hold their tongue. And their grandeur is to forgive and forget. James 1.19. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen and slow to speak 
and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. I want you to write this down somewhere. Write down, does not. Does not. One translation literally says, actually it says never. It never does. And so basically what it's saying is saying that losing our temper never wins anyone over. Never does. In fact, if, when we lose our temper, we always lose. So the number one thing is that we, we need to do is we need to identify those triggers so that thing isn't slamming into something that's doing damage. And here's an action point. Take a moment and write down what your triggers are. And if you're watching online, put it in the comments. But make sure you keep it PG. Okay, we don't want nothing crazy that we have to quickly pull down. <laughs> Let me give you the second thing we need to do. What's number one? Help. Identify your trigger. Number two, when my temper is rising, pause and pray. So my pastor that I used to work with, Dave Hamilton, used to say he He'd have to count to 10 before he would react. So when you start to feel your temper rising, that's when you should begin a conversation with God. Wasn't he, wasn't he the one that said that we're supposed to cast all our cares on him, right? And that, didn't he also say someplace that we should pray about everything? Don't worry about anything but to pray about everything. Well, when you feel triggered or when you're getting angry, how, this is a great place to, to do that, Amen to turn those things over, to take, take a step back and pause and say, okay, I'm, I'm getting riled up. Let me, let me turn this over to God. God, give me some wisdom here. So it includes the things that get us angry. Thomas Jefferson agreed with my old pastor. He said, when angry, count 10 before you speak. If very angry, make it 100. If extremely angry, just keep going. This way you won't have to repent of something afterwards because you said something stupid. Proverbs 13, 16 says, wise people think before they act. Here's that word again. Fools don't and even brag about their foolishness. Now, we all know people like this willing to put their anger and ignorance on full display. They'll even put it on social media. They're angry about something, someone did something, said, and all the next time they're word vomiting, putting people on blast. Yeah, I told him off. Yeah, I did this, I did that. Maybe I'm just wired just a little bit different. I, I, generally, I generally don't feel good about confrontations. I, I have them. Sometimes they can't be avoided. But I never walk away from a confrontation saying, oh, wow, okay, I feel great. Let me just put it up on social media that I put somebody on blast. I, 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 don't, I don't get that. The bragging afterwards to me is foolish, according to the Bible. So, so if we learn to pause and to pray, it can keep us from doing and saying things we or someone else may regret. Does that make sense? It, it will keep us from having mistakes in our lives. Can I get an amen? amen. Proverbs 14, 29, the message says it this way. 
Slowness to anger makes for deep understanding. A quick-tempered person, help me out, somebody. What do they do? Stockpiles. A quick-tempered person stockpiles stupidity. Some folks' stockpiles are bigger than others. I mean, you stockpiling all sorts of things these days. Medicines, and food, toilet paper. <laughs> Some things you stockpile and make sense. A lot of people, they say ammunition is going out the thing because they're expecting some kind of conflict. But the Bible says the angry person is stockpiling something too. Stupidity. <laughs> I just think that's funny. It's not funny when you're on the receiving end of it. But if that's what's in your reservoir, <laughs> that's what's in your pantry, the pantry of your heart, stupidity. <laughs> oh, God. God help me. <laughs> now think about that for a moment. It's when people are just flying off at the handle that they make the, the mistakes are made. And some of these mistakes, they can lead to serious consequences. And I've said this before, and it's just as true today, that the prisons are full of people who act first and think later. But so are the hospitals. And so are the graves. Listen to me. Don't be a stockpiler of stupidity, especially over the next few weeks. I'm telling some people in advance, because what you think is going to happen ain't going to happen. And there's going to be a whole lot of angry people out there. And the devil's going to whisper it in your ear to do stupid stuff. So even when, so if, if and when you don't get your way with whatever you think is going to happen and you rationalize that the answer is that you need to go out there and start to loot and to riot or you're one of those knuckleheads who condone those who do that, you are a stockpiler of stupidity. Yes, you are. Stop being stupid. So the first thing we need to do is identify our triggers. The second thing we need to do is to pause and to pray today and tomorrow and the next day. And as often as the devil keeps bringing stuff up, you, you pause and you pray because God has given you self-control. Amen? But let me give you number three. Perhaps you've already fallen into the trap of the stupidity things and the anger things. You need to repair the damage caused by your anger. And this is probably the, one of the hardest things to do. Proverbs 15.1 says, A gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words makes tempers flare. 
In other words, our anger has the ability to trigger anger in others. So the Bible says don't just leave it to fester and to burn. You need to be proactive and try to put it out. In fact, Jesus in Matthew 5 tells us what to do and why for spiritual and practical reasons. This is what he says in in Matthew 5, verse 23. He says, if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. And when you are on the way to court with your adversary, settle your differences quickly. Otherwise, your accuser may hand you over to the judge who will hand you over to an officer, and you will be thrown into prison. And and if, if that happens, you surely won't be free until you have paid the last penny. How many know that, for the most part, if you've got to get dragged into court, nobody wins? Come on, somebody. Generally speaking, they're only losers. (laughs) Depending on how much money you have to spend for your lawyers, has on the amount of peace that you've given up because of all this negative stuff going on. You might have won the battle and lost the war. (sighs) Come on, somebody. It's getting quiet in here. Just for the privilege of saying you're right. Folks, when we're lobbing angry fireballs at people, they may start lobbing them back. And then things start to escalate. And everybody loses. So Jesus said, rather than just coming to church with your offering, he says, I want you to understand that your angry outburst not only affects your relationship with that person. Listen to me. It affects your relationship with your God. Have you ever started to feel distant from the Lord? You don't know why? This could be a reason. Unresolved issues. So he says, leave your offering and go be reconciled with your brother or your sister. Do it today. The fourth thing he's asking us to do is to respond with love instead of anger. In Romans chapter 12, verse 17, there's that word never again. The Apostle Paul says, never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see that you're honorable. Do all that you can, do all that you can, do all that you can to live in peace with whom? With everyone? Does that include people in the body? Especially people in the body. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. That doesn't mean you agree with everyone. I don't agree with a lot of people. Um, America is not in agreement. Half America is not in agreement. We can still live in peace. Amen? Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, help me somebody. Feed them. Burn their house down. Burn their business down. Come on, somebody. If your your enemies are hungry, feed them. 
Why does he want us to feed them? Because they're hungry? Because he wants to win them to him. Just because you're angry doesn't mean God is. It's all we on God's side. Amen? If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let, don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing what? By doing good. And so it's God's job to deal with the injustices in our lives. Not yours and not mine. And if you keep, if we keep insisting on quote-unquote teaching lessons and raging on people and putting people in bubbles and having pity parties. Let me just say, you're not going to be blessed by the Father. You're just not. And it might even rob you of your peace. And that's what most of us want, right? Peace. Is that what we want? Amen? Ultimately, that's what we all want. Listen to this unknown author. They said, we don't have peace with others because we don't have peace with ourselves. And we don't have peace with ourselves because we don't have peace with God. Jesus said it like this. God blesses those who do what? Work for peace. Turn to somebody. Say, sometimes it takes work. Look them in the eye. Say, sometimes it takes work. God blesses those who work for peace. For they will be called the children of God. That's a good one to memorize. That's a good one to memorize. Friends, we need God's peace. Can I get another amen out there, please? We need his peace. And that may take work, especially from the body of Christ. That That may mean that When someone says or does something stupid, we're going to choose not to respond in kind. When someone offends you or you offend someone else, you be quick to ask for forgiveness. And the good news is that he invites us to turn over all of our pains and all of our problems, including our anger issues, our triggers and all turn it all over to him in exchange for his peace. That's the only way we're going to tame those angry demons. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says this as I come into a close this morning. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus I'm going to leave you with a few questions we've asked a few of them on the way but what are your triggers take time to identify them will you make a commitment to pause in the prayer before flying off at the handle because that's what God expects. Who do you have to call to make amends? May I suggest you do it today? Ask 
Ask God to help you to respond in love in all of these areas in the future. We need his help, amen? We're going to need his help. Because we're all not going to get the answers that we think we're going to get. But God still expects the body of Christ to stay united. For they shall know we are Christians by our love for one another. And there's a higher call that's placed on the church above whether red wins or blue wins. Come on, somebody. The blood of Jesus wins. <laughs> the blood of Christ wins. Because there's a harvest coming in. And he needs a church that's not angry at each other to bring in that harvest. He needs a church that's walking in the, in the, in the spirit so that we can love even our enemies. <sighs> so that we can bless those who curse us and so that we can be an adequate reflection of who he is because he wants to pour out his spirit. Jesus loves people. And it was even him who sat on the cross and he says, Father, forgive them. The ones who were gambling for his clothes, the ones who were beating him, the ones who had stripped him, what did he say? Send down fire? No, he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And so, Heavenly Father, help us to have compassion on those that we disagree with, even the ones who are dead wrong. And help us to have the heart that you have toward them, one that walks in forgiveness, a supernatural forgiveness, one that has the ability to open blind eyes and to set the captives free. But that's your heart toward humanity. And when it comes to you calling someone, Pastor Rick, I called them, and they just yelled at me and blah, blah, blah. Listen, the Bible doesn't say you are responsible for their reaction. You are responsible for yourself. Just do your part. We all got a part to play. Amen? And leave the rest to God. He's the judge. God's ways are infinitely better and higher than our ways. And so I've got to come to a place in my life, in my walk, where I surrender it all to Christ, including my life. Anybody willing to do that? Come on, somebody. Anybody willing to lift their hands and say, Lord, I surrender all. Help me to walk it out, Lord. I surrender all. I don't understand it all. I may not even agree with it all. <laughs> But Lord, I submit and I surrender all to you. Father, forgive me as I make this offering. And Lord, even as you are reminding people during this message that there are things that have been said that needs to be made right, even if it's an apology. Lord, let them be obedient to you and do it as unto you. If I've offended anybody out there who's listening, please forgive me. Please forgive me. God will have his way in this place. Amen. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you've not yet accepted Christ as your Savior and your Lord, now is a good time. Say something like this from your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, I come before you today. I acknowledge that I have blown it in multiple ways. Forgive me for the sin that's in my life. 
the fact that I've done my own thing, gone my own way. Today, I surrender. And I thank you for the sacrifice that was made on the cross on my behalf through your son, Jesus Christ. And because he lives, I will live as well. Today, I commit my life to you. Everything about me, I surrender to you. Fill me with your spirit, with your power, and with your love. And help me to walk in love and not anger. In Jesus' name we pray. And we all said, Amen. Thank you so very much for listening to this message. We hope you were truly blessed. If you were, please subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already and share it with a friend. Doing so will cause the seeds of God's word and the message of his love to spread like wildfire. So thanks again for partnering with us in this important way. Stay thirsty for Christ, my friends, until the whole world hears. God bless.